Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before you get into this audio, I just need to make the disclaimer that the interviewee that I speak to, Jake Beecraft, at the end of the podcast, uh, he recommends that, I guess, you know, everyone pretty much get the Moderna mRNA vaccine for COVID-19. I have to make the disclaimer that uh, we here at the podcast do not make the same assertion. That is the view of Jake Beecraft alone. And uh, we're not here to give medical advice to people to tell them to either vaccinate or not vaccinate. You know, we're here to stay out of that debate. Jake, again, has uh, chosen to make that assertion on this podcast. But I just want to let you know that his views are his views, uh, not right or wrong, but they are not the views of Finding Genius or Finding Genius Foundation. With that being said, please listen in. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Quick note is that our new book on understanding viruses is now on Amazon and Kindle and soon to be Audible. To find it, go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius and you'll see the book. And I think it'll be uh, very informative for those interested. So today, my guest is Jake Beecraft. He's the CEO of Strand Therapeutics. And we're going to talk about uh, programmable mRNA therapeutics for cancer. So Jake, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah, if you would, tell me a bit about your background. And then uh, I don't know if you started Strand or just came in to be the CEO, but then I want to hear about what Strand does. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, uh, Strand is a is a company I co-founded um, along with my PhD advisor, co-worker, another postdoc in the lab, and uh, another professor from from MIT. Um, so maybe to, to to walk it back, you know, my background. I've spent the past you know more than a decade working in um, what I what I consider the field of therapeutic gene therapy or therapeutic gene transfer. Right, finding ways that we can modulate disease by creating systems that are capable of delivering genes into cells. So what this allows us to do, um, either with a virus or a synthetic DNA or synthetic mRNA, is kind of treat the core of, of a disease, right? All uh, Almost all non-infectious disease have some genetic component um, to them. And that could be, you know, something as, as intensely understood like cystic fibrosis, having a genetic mutation, or something like cancer that has a whole number of genetic mutations that cause the dysregulation. And so I... I worked in this field. I started in, uh, in this research space at the University of Illinois, working on uh, delivery technologies. I came out to MIT in the fall of 2013 to work on, to work on more, I think, engineered ways of controlling the genes that we would deliver. Um, so I honed in on a field called synthetic biology. And synthetic biology essentially allows us to create gene circuits or programmable nucleic acid sequences, allow us to make DNA or messenger RNA that can um, perform in new and exciting ways. Things like nucleic acids that only activate when they're in a diseased tissue, for example. And I began working on that field, uh, those, that idea of gene circuits and, and programmability 
responsibility um, with Ron Weiss, who's the director of the MIT Synthetic Biology Center, and a, a postdoc in the lab um, who I was working closely with um, named Tasuku Katata. He came to me and basically was talking about how there was this new this new area of research called messenger RNA therapeutics. Moderna was just getting their start. Um, they were just starting to grow. They were probably worth about $100 million at the time as a, as a new and exciting startup. And Tasuku's pitch to me was the, the future is going to be based on messenger RNA. And if this is true, it will need new programmability technologies because while synthetic biology had worked a lot on DNA based approaches and different sorts of DNA circuitry, there was almost nothing that existed for mRNA. And so we okay. set us up, started working on that. Um, about six years later, that technology was very mature and mRNA had really grown, um, in popularity. And so in 2018, we spun the technology out out of MIT, myself and Tasuku being the two co-founders of the company and, and Ron Weiss and, and Daryl Irvine at the MIT Koch Institute being the scientific founders and have been growing this company ever since then. For mRNA to target disease tissue or disease cells, how do you know what cells to target and how do you package the mRNA so it targets the proper cells versus not? Yeah, so the this idea of of targeting cells has has been around for a while, right? Like from a from a molecular biology point of view, a lot of disease we now completely understand what the what the genetic markers of the disease are and also what the genetic dysfunctions are. The Human Genome Project has uh, you know, over the past 20 years had just a, a wealth of data for us to to kind of pull from. So that's been very a very exciting aspect. The I, I guess where we end up kind of having um, an issue with how we develop therapeutics is now once we understand what's wrong, how do we get into the correct cell type with the correct specificity, right? And so there are any number of biomarkers that exist on a inside or outside of a cell uh, given a given disease state. And so what what the the real key is building um, what we call genetic sensors. So these are things that are encoded on a nucleic acid that um, are able to sense a biological molecule in some sort of way. And then biological circuitry basically is able to take the result of the sensor's output um, at the genetic level and process that in order to turn on or turn off whatever uh, sort of genes we are encoding on our vectors so that, you know, when these when these things go into a cell, they will uh, respond to whatever is inside of the cell. Um, and the, the therapy itself will be able to make a sort of logic based decision through through like AND gates and OR gates, um, how like early computers work. Use that decision-making process to decide whether or not to output the the therapeutic that we've encoded on the vector itself. Well, what is the uh, the mechanism? I mean, is it packaged inside of a lipid membrane or a nanoparticle, or what's? Uh, yeah. So all how do you the deliver the mRNA. Yeah, so so the the mRNAs that we use are as of now all delivered with lipid nanoparticles. That's kind of the the cutting edge of the science. Though there's a lot of new um, and exciting delivery technologies that we're also interested in pursuing. But lipid nanoparticles are are really having a, a time in the spotlight right now. Obviously, with the COVID vaccines, um, but the the technology undermining or underpinning the nanoparticle technology is just wildly exciting. And so that's what we utilize. But all of the all of the pro Programming, all of the logic, all of the so-called smart therapeutics aspects of this are all encoded on the sequence of messenger RNA itself. And so we build very complex mRNA molecules that it's the, the key to the innovation is all based off the, the sequence of the messenger RNA. So how, do, how does the mRNA selectively enter into the right cells? Like what surface features does it interact with? 
on the right cells and what surface features would it not interact with on the wrong cells. Right. So this is a fantastic question and, and really the way that, that people have been trying to solve the issue of specificity for the past, you know, couple of decades has been to target surface markers to get the RNA into only the correct cells. Where, where Strand takes a difference in our approach is that we, we don't care so much in the selectivity of uptake because the messenger RNA themselves is going to be engineered that once it is inside of the cell, it will only activate and actuate its, its therapeutic payload if this cell is the, the correct sort of a, a recipient cell. So what we, what we need from the, the delivery vehicles is really just to get us into the correct tissue. It doesn't have to only get into the correct tissue. There can be heterogeneity in the types of cells that it's delivered to as long as we, we do have, you know, a significant portion getting into a given target tissue. And then we program the messenger RNA itself such that it will only activate when it's in that final destination. I like to think about it kind of as, um, you know, the, the lipid nanoparticle will, will get you to the right neighborhood. And then we utilize the mRNA logic and the mRNA programming to get us into the, the correct house. Well, what does the mRNA programming look like? Like, what's an example of how that would work once it's inside of a cell? Right. So um, some of the papers that we published on this when I was at MIT outline uh, one thing that we call a, a classifier circuit. And so what a, what a classifier circuit does is inside of our cells are these short RNAs. So they're not messenger RNAs. They're short RNAs called uh, silencing RNAs. And so those silencing RNAs exist uh, in, inside of different cells, and they are also expressed at different sorts of levels depending on the type of cell that they're inside of. Um, for example, in some cancers, uh, they will over they will overexpress certain silencing RNAs. And those silencing RNAs go on to disrupt the cell's ability to control its growth, for instance. And what you can actually do is you can take those silencing RNAs and create sensors on the RNA sequence itself. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Such that when the mRNA enters a given, uh, a given cell type, it will be, it will bind or react to certain silencing RNAs, whether they're there or, or whether they're present or not. And that differential expression is something that you can use, you know, known microRNA expression patterns, feed that pattern into a circuit design algorithm and actually output a sequence of messenger RNA that will only actuate itself in the presence or absence of of, of certain microRNA species. And that allows you this sort of uh, specificity that is just uh, unable to be a, uh, attained in a lot of other, a lot of other sort of uh, design paradigms. So the message RNA will what, uh, encode the instruction of certain proteins to be expressed more than they would be or enzymes or like what's the, the end effect of the mRNA influencing the cell? 
that's really the beauty of messenger RNA, right? Is that, I mean, anything can be encoded on the protein, right? And so in the case of the drugs that we're developing for like solid tumors, for instance, the, the protein that's actuated is a immunostimulatory protein. So a, 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 it will go out and stimulate an immune response against the tumor and really aid in that sort of immune response that a lot of new immunotherapy drugs are really trying to get at the heart of, right? But in the case of other drugs, right, it could go into, it, it could replace a, a transmembrane protein, a receptor, a, a sort of ion channel. It could go in and create, it could go in and, and express a really the sky's the limit, right? Something intracellular. I mean, you could even express CRISPR off of these RNAs and use that to um, edit the genome. All of it is possible. The fundamental technology is just uh, is just a, an ability to have more control over the messenger RNA molecule itself. And messenger RNA is is really just a data carrier. It's a data carrying molecule that's transient in nature, which also makes it safer than something like a DNA or a virus. It doesn't have to be the specific application you're working on, but again, what would be the end result? Would it upregulate the expression or production of certain proteins or enzymes? Or like, what are some of the things that, that could be done and why would that be useful? So, so you can express off of the messenger RNA really any protein, right? And so case of uh, immuno oncology, right? You express a protein that engages with the immune system. In the case of a, you know, a rare disease like cystic fibrosis, you would uh, express the, the protein that is mutated, you know, it, that causes the disease itself and replace it with the correct copy. All of, I mean, really, I, I guess the, the, the answer is that the sky is really the limit on what you can do with messenger RNA and what that protein does itself. You know, it, it's not necessarily about stimulating the cell to produce an enzyme or a protein in a certain way. You can just directly encode the enzyme or the protein itself onto the messenger RNA carrier and have that expressed from from the vector directly. You can also, uh, of course, have like something like a transcription factor that would then go and and activate the genome and activate the expression of a different protein if if that's something that you wanted to do as well. But truly, mRNA is such a versatile molecule that it, it allows us to really follow the science and follow you know what is needed in order to to, to in, in order to fix this uh, under underlying genetic condition. Well, what's the, um, I mean, the residency time of it? Does it, uh, you know, once it enters into a cell, is there enough of it that it'll just keep acting forever in the fashion you wish to, or do you have to replenish it and continually give doses over a period of time? Yeah, messenger RNA is is a very transient molecule. And so, for instance, the COVID vaccines that use a technology called modified RNA, those will only express for a couple of days at most, right? Two or three days. And then they, they the mRNA is degraded because it's in nature, uh, you know, your DNA is using messenger RNA to send its gene signals out of the nucleus into the cytoplasm where the genes are then converted into proteins. And that sort of signaling is is supposed to be transient as you need to be able to turn your genes on and off. It's the same with delivering these synthetic messenger RNAs. Now, if you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
that being said, the the specific technology that we've developed at at MIT and now at Strand and are really pioneering allows us the ability to express for much longer than that. So um, usually we look at timescales on the matter of weeks. So anywhere from you know two to four or five weeks of expression. And again, this is very advantageous from a safety perspective, right? You you're not making a right. genetic or a lasting change in a patient that will have you know yearly sort of consequences. You're making a a, a short term sort of a, a short term sort of delivery there. But then you you have this ability to 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 redose into the patient to give another dose. And depending on the disease that you're looking at, uh, it can you know what you want in terms of expression duration can vary. How do you know that the mRNA is going to degrade and how fast it degrades? I mean, how can you tell? Are there biomarkers that you evaluate to show its degradation or, you know, what happens? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, m- mRNA is itself just a transient molecule. It, it will degrade over time. It, it is not, it does not have the, the stain power of, of other sorts of molecules, a well-known uh, biochemical phenomenon. Um, but of course, you know, we've done all sorts of studies in, uh, in everything from cells in a petri dish into, um, actual like, uh, uh, you know, larger, larger mammals. And you see that, you know, over time there is an expression, uh, kind of wax and waning, but that, that does kind of, uh, uh subside, you know, even in a, a number of weeks. It's usually that you need to, you need to take the, the approach of getting the expression up rather than um, kind of the opposite of uh, getting the expression to be shorter. Oh, once you give someone a dose of mRNA, I know it depends what for, but, you know, as an example, a cancer example, or, you know, I don't know, cystic fibrosis example, like what, what, has been ha- what has been shown clinically once people get a dose, or if it's just an animal, the dose of mRNA, like what are some of the effects it's had? on cells and on that that organism the the biggest kind of uh, challenge of messenger rna therapeutics is usually immunogenicity so your a lot of viruses utilize uh mrna right covid is an rna virus hiv is a is a retrovirus so it's made of rna um and turns itself into dna in the body and so your your cells have evolved these sensors basically that try to sense for when there is exogenous rna added to the system and they they use that as a kind of a marker of a potential viral infection and the the cells have what's called the innate immune system and that will mount this effect uh, against uh, you know inside the cell whenever it thinks that maybe there there's a there's a virus that that's gotten inside of it. Um, so that's been the major challenge, and that's uh, when we talk about modified RNA, um, that usually refers to some modifications that were discovered um, and developed by a woman named Katie Carico and a man named Drew Weissman um, at UPenn in, and uh, I, I believe it was around 2007. Those advances in the modified RNA field. Allow, those advances in the RNA field allowed us to create less immunogenic uh, mRNAs and really underpin the the technology that we use today for something like the COVID vaccines. Um, it's continually a sort of a design challenge, right? Where the longer expression that you want to have of the mRNA, the more of a risk of these sorts of immune responses comes out. So it's it's something that I think it takes a lot of work to design around. That's really where, um, you know, if we want to dive deep, deep into the, the scientific underpinnings and some of the things we've published in the messenger RNA space, um, you can see that there are all sorts of creative engineering, bioengineering solutions to get RNAs, uh, messenger RNAs to behave better as a as a real therapeutic substance. But where, you know, where rolling that out um, is just a, a question of, uh, you know, intense bio 
bioengineering. You have to you have to really work on how you design these vectors. What's what do you expect in the next year or two that uh, you're going to be able to do? Like, how is this? Is any form of this yet commercialized, or like where are you guys at in the trajectory? Yeah, we are. We're an earlier stage biotech company. We were founded in in 2018. So, uh, for for instance, like. Moderna and BioNTech have been around since the 2000s. Um, biotech companies become commercial very slowly, but our, our uh, right now we'll we'll be doing our first human clinical trials next year in 2022. That'll be um, in the solid tumor immuno oncology space, and you know begin treating patients there. And really, then it's a it's a matter of scaling out the the platform, right? Building uh, building better drugs and continuing to attack new disease areas for the foreseeable future. So we are early, but um, growing rapidly and, and really, really excited about the places that this technology could, could be applied. Okay. Again, you, you see it for cancer or for what areas specifically have the most need and what areas are you going to be targeting this technology to first, you believe? Yeah, our, our clinical trial next year will be focused on, uh, on cancer, uh, specifically solid tumors. Um, so looking at uh, areas like breast cancer, melanoma, head and neck cancers. Um, from there, we'll be growing. Uh, it will be growing the, the programs in our pipeline, the different drugs that we're developing, as this, this modality is, is certainly incredibly diverse. And so our, our goal is to, to really, um, you know, make that diversity a, a cornerstone of our engineering and, and be able to deploy it in other areas like rare disease, um, cell therapies, um, all sorts of other areas where we think mRNA can really be transformation. And what's the best way for people to keep tabs on Strand? Where can they go? Um, they can follow our, our Twitter and our LinkedIn pages uh, is where we're the most active. Um, they can uh, follow my Twitter uh, and uh, my uh, LinkedIn as well, as uh, I obviously talk a lot about what the company is doing. And, uh, you know, go to our website and, uh, you know, just uh, kind of keep tabs on the different announcements we're making. Okay. Anything else that you want me to, uh, to mention that we haven't uh, talked about? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if I have anything um, uh, specific. I think everyone should uh, everyone should get vaccinated, uh, depending on when this podcast comes out. Um, everyone should uh, go get their mRNA vaccines. Um, I think getting vaccinated is a huge uh, huge step for us forward um, in terms of uh, a return to to normalcy or some uh, some form of normalcy. Um, and that the mRNA vaccines are, while the the technology is is very new to the general public, um, this is something that the field of biotech and bioengineering have been working on for uh, the better part of two decades. And so while it might be new in the public conscious, this is technology that we have been diligently developing um, for, for many, many years. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition to that, I, I think uh, it's, it's been interesting to see the increased public attention of biotech and biotech investing among uh, among the more general public. Uh, biotech has been very isolated as an investment class for basically its entire history because it is very complex. Um, and so I'm, I'm just very excited to see, you know, more people taking an interest in these, uh, these deep science and exciting science um, opportunities. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, companies like Strand are, are ones people should keep tabs on for, uh, for when they uh, may have an opportunity to invest in the company as well. Very good. Well, Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rich. I appreciate you having me. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.